Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, a place for adolescent and family healing. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If your family is struggling and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their trained professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Purity culture taught me that I ought to be passed down from father to husband, more of an inheritance really than a human. I was taught that men are my cover and my shield when for the most part they have been the ones causing damage through molestation, rape, and abuse. I was taught that my holy calling was to open my legs for one man and only one man and bear his children. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome, everybody, to Paradox. I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. I got to tell you, I had something fun happen to me today. What? So I was watching Suits. It's in the USA show uh, last night. See, I don't, I don't have any television. <laughs> I adhere to what's called the purity culture, and I think that very much... Uh, it's a microaggression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was a fantastic quote yeah. um, by Rick Hoffman. He plays Lewis Litt. This is season three or four, what just started? Oh, more than that. Five or six? Four, yeah. Uh, and it's the first episode. I think there's two or three out, but first episode, Lewis Litt turns to Harvey Specter and says, catch your tiger, hide your dragon, or I'm going to Wang Chung you right out of here. thought it was hilarious, so I tweeted. It is funny. I tweeted Rick Hoffman. Just with that quote, he liked it. Lewis lit. Lewis lit. You got lit up. I got lit up was my next tweet. (laughs) Seriously, you've got to screenshot that and frame it. Lewis lit communicated with you. It was pretty fantastic. If you've not seen Suits, that man is one, his face you just don't get a face like that anywhere. I mean, it reminds you know, like uh, uh, Barney Five, Barney, hmm? Don Knotts. You know, Don Knotts just had this face that they then made a fish character out of. <laughs> Hong, um, <laughs> but Lewis Litt has this kind of a face. Yep. It's just it's a great show. so expensive. Impressive. So I got lit up. I just want to tell everybody, just that humble brag. I'm shaking it off right now. Uh, yeah, so I get an email from Blake Atwood this week. Um, he's a buddy of mine. He also edits and uh, ghostwrites for me. He actually makes me sound intelligent. Oh, very nice. Um, and he sent us this article this week um, and thought that it would be nice uh, to munch on, to crunch on, to... It would be nice for fodder. For the paradox. Yeah. Um, Especially so, for, for a couple of fodders to just use it as fodder. <laughs> so we are going to talk. We're going to fodder it. Jimbo, intro the, the article. Um, if you were a, a teenager in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, you definitely were probably, if you know, especially if you were involved in the evangelical church, um, you heard about Josh Harris's book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. It was published in, in 97. And his whole approach was that we shouldn't be dating. It's too dangerous. We can get too close to people. 
and therefore, he goes back to the whole uh, kind of a Puritan approach of Courtship. courting yep. people instead of dating people. And so there was there was almost a, a generation there. And uh, I would have been that generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think he he said he wrote it in 21 and 90, you said 97? 97. Um, yeah, so I would have been 16, 16. 17 in 97. Um, so I would have been right there. For me, that was a book that you heard about, you knew about. I wasn't going to kiss dating goodbye, so I never read it. Well, you were also involved in probably what was recognized at the time as the greatest youth ministry in the contiguous United States. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that extremely brilliant, biblically sound youth minister mm-hmm. was not only... For those that don't know, Jimbo is my youth minister. ...was not only devastatingly handsome, which is really what most people talked about, mm-hmm. but he was brilliant mm-hmm. when it comes to Bible exposition. <laughs> and so most Paige of the... Patterson would be proud. <laughs> so most of all the kids that came through didn't, because I really uh, didn't adhere to what he was saying. Sure. Um, I appreciated what he was saying. I said, well, okay, if it floats your boat, whatever. But I sort of saw a a benefit of dating, but it did. It just caught fire over a million copies. Um, and that just doesn't happen for Christian books. I mean, there's like, uh, uh, Rick Warren's the purpose driven life toe to toe with your teen. There's a couple (laughs) that have, that have sailed past that one million mark, mm-hmm. but it's pretty rare. It is rare. And I kissed. And he Dayton. did it at twenty-one. What were you doing at twenty-one? <laughs> I was trying to find my rear end with both ends. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was kind of an amazing thing. He well, he hit a chord, is what he did. And apparently, it's still a thing. It's still a chord to be struck, because uh, just this week. Uh, we're recording the last week of July. Correct. I don't think this is going to air for another month or so, but we're recording uh, July 29th. And this was uh, an article in the Washington Post, not the Cisco Press or the Baptist Standard. The Washington Post, uh, an author, her name is Liz Linz, uh, and the, uh, uh, the title of the article in the Post is, I Kissed Dating Goodbye, Told Me to Stay Pure Until Marriage. I still have a stain on my heart. So here is a a young woman who apparently read the book, was a part of maybe this, what they did in the I Kiss Dating Goodbye kind of movement. And now 20 years later, she is writing a a scathing critique uh, of this book and what she terms and other people term um, the, the, the cult or the culture of purity. Uh, And she defines uh, purity culture as a movement that uses biblical principles to encourage men and women to stay virgins before marriage. And to be clear, she never called it a cult. She would herself, without saying it, calls her, believes she's a a Christ follower. She goes to church and those types of things. She never called it a cult, but she said a purity culture. A purity culture. Um, And again... (laughs) I don't want to use the phrase straw man again, but this idea of she's created, not just her, uh, because I Googled a few minutes ago, all the different places where purity culture is, is being utilized, this term. I'd never heard the term before reading this article, but she's not saying I disagree with what the Bible says about staying a virgin before marriage. She doesn't say 
this is Paul's teachings on sexuality or Jesus's teachings on sexuality. She says, this is what the purity culture teaches. And when you hear her and these other authors talk about the purity culture, you would think it was the KKK uh, and ISIS. Uh, and so she summarize what she says, or are you going to read some quotes? I'm reading quotes. Okay. But I'm also, you know, kind of giving a little ad lib, a little commentary as I go. Uh, another quote from her, and yet at its core, purity culture presumes that giving and receiving love breaks you instead of builds you. It uses fear to mask our bodies and our needs. And there are generations of women and men walking around crippled in America because of it. Now, again, she's saying that the purity culture and by purity culture, she means people who interpret the Bible to say that you should be virgins when you get married. That's what the purity culture is. And Josh Harris said much more than that. And oh, she's railing against Josh Harris in but this she's article. she's not saying this. She's saying the purity culture. We'll read the title, Jimbo. I know. She's, she's it's saying more than that. Yeah, but you're simplifying it and just saying biblical standards is the purity culture. She's saying what Josh Harris, uh, Harris uh, put forth in 1997 is what damaged her. At its core, the purity culture presumes that giving and receiving love breaks you. Yep, what Josh Harris put forth, that's what breaks you. Yeah, and of course, she said purity culture, but, you know, uh, again, you're, you're mistaken. Uh, my issue with this is not that. I don't even know why you're calling attention to that. It's giving and receiving love breaks you. Like where in Scripture does, I mean, it talks about love more than anything. Again, we, one of the things we're going to talk about is she's presuming that, that uh, intimacy and giving and receiving love is simply sex and nothing but sex. Uh, uses fear. Uh, I, just listen to this one. Purity culture taught me that I ought to be passed down from father to husband, more of an inheritance really than a human. I was taught that men are my cover and my shield when for the most part they have been the ones causing damage through molestation, rape, and abuse. I was taught that my holy calling was to open my legs for one man and only one man and bear his children. Barring that, I was to keep them closed and never express desire, lust, fear, or longing. Um, I'm wondering how many people that remain virgins until they got married would share this. Correct. Uh, I mean, there's a thing in, in therapy, you know, we say when you're in a conversation or in a situation, you tend to see what you want to see and you tend to hear what you want to hear. Uh, and apparently she was picking out of, of this experience. Uh, obviously, it's shared by others, but it's also probably disagreed with by a majority of people that adhere to the purity culture. Purity culture also taught me that more than my mind and my talents, my body was a great gift. Uh, was my greatest gift. Uh, the insidious message of purity culture still clings fast in my marriage, and I often put it at the root of some of my deepest anxieties and fears. Um, writers like Diana Anderson, author of Damaged Goods, and websites like the No Shame Movement have taken purity culture to task for inciting, again, you will define purity culture differently than me. But I define it because I would, I would be a member of the purity culture, saying I should be a virgin when you get married. Uh, 
but these authors have taken the purity culture to task for inciting shame, excluding victims of rape. The previous static idea of what constitutes purity is beginning to crack, she says. Through those cracks, voices and ideas are beginning to be heard that were formerly shut out of the conversations on God and sexuality. Uh, that's, that, that sexuality and, you know, and Christianity is a big list of things that we don't do. She says, what we don't do was a way of, to be pious while building social standing for being different. It's pernicious because it encourages you to bring this external self-serving, self-serving colonial standard, uh, it, this is piousness, into your own consciousness, and then you oppress yourself and call it holiness. In her recent book, Good Christian Sex, author and pastor Bromley McClinigan argues against a rule-based look at biblical purity and opens up the scripture to a more holistic approach. I remember being promised at a youth rally that I would find freedom through the confining structures of purity, which were for my protection, but I never did. Instead, I only uncovered message after message that encouraged me to police my body at the expense of what is truly in my heart and my mind. The conversation has only just begun and dismantling a structure like the purity culture that taps deep into the rape culture and misogyny will take time. Essentially, um, uh, we hear Liz try to, to share that rules revolving around sexuality taught her fear. Um, fear that if you um, let out sexuality that's truly in your heart, that you are bad and, and somehow going to be disfellowshipped. Uh, therefore, you might have to rush into an, a potentially bad situation with a man just so that you can satisfy this true longing. Um, fear should never be the driving force, she says. Love and our own heart's desires should guide the way. Um, Let's talk about what's good about it. Where, yeah, where so... She, where was she right? Hmm? Where was she right? So essentially, and that's why I think the distinction I was trying to make a couple of minutes ago is a healthy distinction. Wrong, um, but healthy. Right, that the biblical purity is good and true. Josh Harris's book was more of a moralistic type standard. She's railing against what I hear moralism, but rather than moving away from moralism to a more biblical standard that is true and right, she moves towards a more humanistic, heartfelt. The person, the finite human being, gets to 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 to, to lead really in that. Really, a so, denial of scripture. Correct. So she's railing against moralism, standards of do's and don'ts, mm-hmm. um, and that is that's that should never be the case. Yep. Andy Bannister, you guys, um, yep. if you listen to that episode week one, he said moralism is a cancer yep. within the church. That the church or or Christianity is never about doing something; it's about accepting something accepting the truth of Scripture and who you are in light of Jesus' death on the cross. So it's not about doing, it's about accepting. And moralism, he went on to, to explain in that episode, is exhausting. That's probably why you have a lot of people leaving the church. And her articles expressing this, this, this purity culture is, is getting people to, is pushing people away from the church. Um, and I would change... Um, 
well, I wouldn't necessarily change. I, I would. Ju- I would add that that purity culture is a moralistic viewpoint, and any Bible believing Christian would would say Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny that truth. You know, it's like you know we've seen the enemy, and they're partly right. Uh, what she has, which is a great book by Tony Campolo, which is going to be on the show. I'm a little excited about. He is in a few weeks in the not too distant future. Um, that she hits on a very, very valid point uh, that Christianity can devolve into simply a list of do's that you must do and a list of don'ts that you cannot do. And subsequently very fear-based. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So, and I would say in not just uh, Josh Harris's form, uh, there was a ton, there's a ton of forms in the evangelical church and not just about sexuality, but about a lot of other things. Uh, so we have to give her kudos where kudos are due. She brings up a really valid point that you've got to get that type. If I do the good things, I'm a good Christian, and I should feel shame if I don't. Correct. The, the Joshua Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye, I don't know if he created the, 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 the purity culture. I'm sure it was there long before, but the purity culture that's not necessarily sound and biblical, it, it adds things to Scripture like don't hold hands and whatever else he said, that that is moralism and should be rejected. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, we can't then take the opposite approach, a humanistic approach, right. and just leave God out of it yes. and allow our hearts to guide the way. Yes. I mean, you've got to say that you've got to let your heart guide you. You, you wonder, because there's a ton of people who are, who are Christians that do not necessarily believe that the Bible is true and accurate and, and that sort of thing. Um, because you've got Jesus telling a rich young ruler, go sell everything you have. He made a very staunch demand of this young man. And when the guy decided not to, Jesus let him walk. Uh, and if it was just, hey, do what your heart tells you to do and don't feel shame about it. I mean, you just don't hear that. You don't, you don't hear this, anything goes and God's going to love you. You don't hear that in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and not enter into the kingdom of heaven, only those who do the will of my heavenly Father. Uh, But again, if you're coming from a Christian point of view that is much more, for lack of a better term, liberal, which as in not really accepting the truth of Scripture, there's a ton of Christians that say, hey, if the Bible says it, there there you go. And that's how I'm going to try to live my life. And there's a bunch of people that do not look at the Bible that way at all. And they consider themselves to be believers. Uh, and this is definitely where the camp that Liz is coming from. Yeah, so if if we might be so boldly to speak for her. Um, oh, yeah. So if Absolutely. Harris's heir is moralism, it seems to us that, that uh, Lindsay's that's her last name, right? Yeah, Lynn's. Um, Lynn's heir is, is more of a humanistic viewpoint. Goes all the way the other direction. So... What should we do with dating? Um, what should we as parents, if we have teenagers... I think we should hug it and say, see you later. Or, or pre-teens, what should we, how should we parent our teens yes. to do this? Yes. If, if I am single and I am trying to date to, to marry and yep. I'm in my 40s or 50s, what should I do with dating? So how should we handle dating from a non-moralistic point of view as well as a non-humanistic point of view? Ooh, that's really good. You set that up what? Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, again, for a lot of people, it's going to be for themselves. I, I think you said, Blake said, you know, someone handed him this article. Um, 
you know, as he was single again as an adult. Um, and so what are going to be our standards in our families or possibly for ourselves? Um, if we want to get on a practical basis, well, first of all, let's don't get real practical. From a more overarching is I do agree that I kiss dating goodbye. It's very easy to to take what he's saying and and then determine that sex and sexuality in our bodies are dirty and shameful. I don't think it's a very far reach to get there. Um, and that should absolutely not be the way Correct. we handle sexuality in our home. We should be normalizing it. We should be celebrating it. Uh, it's a great thing. Uh, God invented it. He, he likes it. He, he designed us to have sex, a man and a woman, uh, for the rest of their lives. And so th this tends to, you know, his brand tended to communicate, boy, you're not even going to hold hands because that, that could just lead you down a slippery slope to, you know, uh, hell in the ballroom. So first thing is we kind of reject that teaching, teaching our children that sex is so taboo and so scary and so dangerous that we should be afraid of it uh, and never, ever, ever mention it. It's he who must not be named. What else should we do with dating? We should do it. Um, and we should allow our children to do it as well. Yeah. I always thought it was a, a good thing. I thought you, you learn by dating. Correct. Which is why I never really adhered to the idea. I think God's intent is for men and women to associate and to eventually associate romantically. Sure. And so I would, I'd, you know, I think high school is the natural time that probably God intended for this, or he wouldn't have injected us with our hormones. Yeah you know, at 10, 11, 12, 13. So we're going to be dealing with how do we, how do we morph from Susie being my best buddy on the playground to, hey, Susie, there's a party at my place tonight, just you and me. <laughs> so how do we make that transition? And I think dating is good for that. Uh, obviously, it's monitored and we're watching and Correct. we're encouraging and we're teaching. And, and we um, don't allow them to do it at 12. Yeah. Um, you know, we teach guys to honor yeah. uh, these young ladies. Uh, all these different things uh, are important. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you're never doing that, holding hands, putting your arm around somebody, I don't know. There's probably people who've done Harris's thing and they're fantastic. Um, but I just, I always felt as though there was an advantage to, for kids to date. So if we're supposed to celebrate sexuality, if we're actually to date, um, we should also make scripture our, our kind of our, our scripture, our standard. I think moralism adds things to scripture. I think humanism takes away a lot of things from scripture. Um, but we should allow scripture to be our guide when it comes to dating. Yep. It was not in the intent of scripture to describe how we should date or how we should even allow our children to date. And so we certainly do have to kind of read between the lines here, but we shouldn't take away and or add anything to scripture. Right. And what scripture explains is that we should have sexual intercourse, do sexual activity between a man and a woman in a lifelong committed monogamous relationship. Correct. Um, Jesus also setting a standard that really no one can adhere to said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you're, you're also committing adultery. So um, those are really the, the only um, scriptures that we have to go off of. So with that, while dating, uh, we need to, to remain pure. Uh, 
in the sense that we're not engaging in sexual activity. Yes. And I always define sexual activity um, because it can certainly, that in and of itself can be a broad term. Depends on what is, is. <laughs> uh, sexual activity to, to me and what we taught the, the kids during sex ed is anything that you can give and receive an STD. Ooh, that's good. Very nice. Um, when one of the things I think of that is an advantage of allowing our kids to date, and I, do you remember what our standard was growing up? Uh, I, I think that we couldn't date until 17. 16, I mean, 16, rather. 16. Solo dating at 16, group dating at 15 was kind of, and that came from Dobson back in the day. Um, but it allowed me, for example, because I was there when, I mean, I was in the room when True Love Waits, you know, first got cranked up. Um, again, back in the nineties, which I guess would be a part of the purity culture. Um, and so when Sarah turned 16 and then when Lindsay turned 16, you know, I had my mom and dad's wedding rings, um, you know, melted down and made them, um, uh, true love weights rings, uh, to become part of their marriage ceremonies later in life. And, uh, and took them on a date and this is how a young man should treat you and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, really really was, you know, in make sure a boy never does this and never, you know, if you see this and, and we started talking about it when, uh, when Ruthie was born and you and I were talking, we said, it's so different, you know, with a girl, because I never took you on a date. Your mom never took you on a date, you know, now the girls, I made sure, you know, cause, cause you, you want to protect little girls. A dad wants to protect little girls and prepare little boys. And, uh, and the differences there, uh, but still being able to speak into that, uh, what's good, what's bad, uh, what's awkward, what's not, you know, what works, what doesn't, what kind of guy gets on your nerves, what doesn't, uh, how do you handle it when they don't talk back? And all those things are discussions that if we're not dating, none of those kind of life skills are taught. Yeah. So um, certainly date. We should celebrate sexuality and we should allow scripture to be our guide. So while we're dating, um, before we have actually committed our lives to somebody else, we should not participate in sexual activity, anything that we can give and or receive um, an STD from. Uh, the last thing I would say is rather than, and I think moralism is guilty of this and humanism, it, it rails against this. Um, but we should not focus on what we can't do, but we should celebrate about what the things that we can do within a dating relationship. Which was one of the problems with their article. Correct. It focused so much on sexuality and it's like yeah. intimacy is so much more than sexuality. Giving and receiving love taught me shame. What, what are you, what are you talking about? Sexual. Yeah. That's love. all you're talking about. Correct. You're talking about intercourse. Uh, well, that's, Ah, yeah. So there is there's there's friendship, intimacy. I mean, you can have fun, conversation, romance, um, you know, camaraderie, support. I mean, there's so many things that we can celebrate about dating. Yes. Um, rather than making the focus be I can't have sex. And with when this God person. is joining two people together as one, uh, he he joins them together uh, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, you know, intellectually, he brings them together as one in, in numerous different ways. The last piece of that being physically. 
Uh, but you sh- you give and receive love in ways so much, so, so much more. Yeah. I mean, sex is lucky to make the top five Correct. ways that you express Correct. love with somebody. Yeah. So ultimately, allow your kids to date. Um, you know, certainly let scripture be the standard. And rather than every night or every other night have conversations with your kids about them being frustrated that they can't have sex, even though that'd be a weird conversation to have with your parents. Um, with them, celebrate the things that they actually can participate in rather than um, being so focused, myopically focused on not being able to, to give anybody else an STD. And keeping in mind that God is not some cosmic killjoy, to quote Josh McDowell from back in the day. You know, he's not up there just trying to make us miserable. He loves us. Do we believe that or not? He, he thought of all this. Do we believe that or not? And him saying, you know, just have sex with the person that you marry. Be a virgin. Two virgins get married and then stay married for the rest of your life. There's a reason he says that, and it's for our protection. And even though, and I think you're going to have an article out in Relevant Magazine soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, about this whole idea that uh, cohabitating is the new norm, and it is. Um, I've had one couple that I've done premarital counseling with over the past probably five years, one couple, and this is a Christian counseling office where active Christians are coming to have the Christ at the center of their marriage. One engaged couple was not living together. Hmm. One, and if Active Christians who do believe the Bible are just saying, eh, I got testosterone when I was 13, and now the average age of a guy getting married is virtually 30. Uh, I ain't doing this for 17 years, and I think God understands and God wants me to be happy, so let's just get it on like gerbils. Um, No, there's a reason that God, because, and I want to attribute one more thing before we get out to Josh McDowell. If people say, well, we're engaged, you know, what is, you know, what's waiting for just a piece of paper? And I'll never forget this quote from McDowell. He said, if, if it's just a piece of paper before you get married, it'll just be a piece of paper after you get mm-hmm. married. And there may be a reason that there's so much porn and infidelity yeah. because we can't deny ourselves. Yeah. That's all I got to say about that. So that's our take on I Kiss Dating Goodbye, as well as... Um, Certainly agree with her regarding the moralism, but we cannot err the other way too far and and learn to just follow our own hearts. We yes. have to 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 allow Scripture to set the standard. And for those of you that are extremely upset with what was said, it is Doc Josh. What is your email address? If you want more information about the show, it's paradoxpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, it's Doc's Podcast. My Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram is Doc Josh Myers. On Facebook, Dr. Jimmy Myers, and on Twitter and Instagram, at jmyersfan. Have a good day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. and researched by Dr. Jimmy and Dr. Josh Myers. Special thanks to Life Austin Church in Austin, Texas, and our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Gar. To find out more about the Paradox and to sign up for email updates, go to our website, paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. I think sometimes what's happened in the church is that we're um, 20, 30 years behind. 
And so we end up taking on a voice of the culture that's behind us rather than being the voice that pulls the culture into the future. And I, I'm so convinced that um, because the church has been growingly ineffective in the world, we don't, we're not really sure if the gospel is relevant.